We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on 2 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart. Well, we've been working through the book of 2 Peter, and this makes the eighth week that we've studied this book. And while we've been looking in this book, we've been warned as Christians to watch out for pseudo-Christians, the, the false teachers. And really, this warning is not only to watch out for false teachers, but also a, a warning to not become one ourselves. To make sure that we are not acting out what it means to be a Christian, bringing about error in our day. And so it's important for us to understand the characteristics that Peter is going to bring to light in, 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 in reality of the characteristics of a false teacher. And so we want to make sure that we consider these so that we can check ourselves and those that teach the Word and make sure that we are not duped. Have you ever wondered why it is that Peter is so determined to reveal these pseudo-Christians that will arise in the last of the last days? Well, there in Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 to 6, Peter understands the purpose of the watchman. There in Ezekiel 33, they are called to place a watchman. And when trouble comes, his job is to blow the trumpet. And those that fail to listen and are take, taken by the sword, listen, their blood will be on themselves. Why? Because the warning has been cast out. But those for which fail to listen and heed the warning of the watchman, when the sword comes against those people, the blood will not be on anybody's but their own. But if we fail to warn, the blood will be on our hands. Peter is blowing the trumpet. He is extending the warning. And he is warning everyone to look out because there are in reality fake Christians in our day that will ultimately lead folks astray. There are false teachers that will entice you to buy into their ways, their ideas, and our protection against these folks are indeed the Word of God. And so with that in mind, let us turn to our text of Scripture today. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking specifically at verse 10b all the way to 16. And while you turn there, let me by way of reminder uh, bring you to where we have come or where we are going. We began in chapter 1 verses 2 to 11 as we began understanding and avoiding false teachers by understanding faith. In chapter 1 verses 12 to 21, we began understanding and avoiding false teachers by understanding the Scriptures, the Word of God. 
We looked at here in chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, avoiding false teachers by understanding false teachers. And how we've done that is to be aware and understand, number one, there are destructive heresies. Verses 1 to 3, they're destructive judgments, which we looked at last week, which was verses 4 to 10a. And this week, we're going to understand false teachers and their destructive characteristics from verse 10b to all the way to 16. And so really, the first chapter dealing mainly with holy living in the Christian life, while chapter 2 is dealing mainly with the heresy during our Christian life. And so if you were there, follow with me. Second Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 10. These false teachers are, he says, daring, self-willed. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed." Suffering wrongs as the wage of doing wrong. They count it pleasure to revile in the daytime. Their stains and blemishes reviling in their deceptions as they carouse with you having eyes full of adultery, never ceasing from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed Children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke from his own transgression for a mute donkey, speaking with a voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. There are a few characteristics that I want us to cover today in these verses. Really only two things I want us to notice. First, we see the character of false teachers in their attitudes. Secondly, we see the character of false teachers in their behaviors. The first thing I want us to consider is the false teacher in their attitudes. Peter follows the first part of verse 10, saying these pseudo-Christians are daring, they're self-willed, they, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Right off the bat, Peter gets to work in describing these false Christians. The attitudes in which they obtain. It says they are, first off, daring. I mean, they're they are bold. They take stances boldly. But notice, they're, they're taking stances and, and they're doing it boldly based off of opinion and not the Word of God. That is what we learned all the way back in chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And when it says they introduced destructive heresies. Destructive heresies are those things in which are being taught that do not conform to the Word of God. 
However, they are not only introducing these things, they are doing it with passion and boldness. The rebelliousness of the pseudo-Christians is communicated with really two Greek words. Translated bold and arrogant. Now I had to consider this passage for myself. Because as a teacher, as a preacher, a lot of times I preach with boldness. And excitement and passion. With assurance. But I never want to or I hope that I never would do it with arrogance. Because arrogance is rooted in self. Boldness, on the other hand, is biblical. If you recall, Isaiah the prophet was bold in Isaiah 65 verse 1, which was then quoted in Romans chapter 10 verse 20, as we are told the prophet was bold. Proverbs 28 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. King David, a man after God's own heart, it said, on that day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength within my soul. One dear friend stated it this way, boldness is not self-generated as arrogance. Boldness comes from a clear conscience deep-rooted in biblical conviction and spirit-filled living. That was helpful for me. It should encourage me and you to be bold, but we need to make sure that when we are bold, we are bold with the truth of God's living and active Word because it is the Word of God that transforms the lives of people. Not our charisma in the pulpit. My charisma and my excitement never changed a soul anything. It is the work of Almighty God through the truth of His Word, through the working of the will of God, through the Spirit of God for His glory. Nevertheless, it should encourage you that if you are standing on the truth of the Word of God, you can do it and proclaim it boldly for His glory. It's not about opinions. That's arrogance. Is what we are being bold about biblically accurate? If we have no book, no chapter, no verse to hold up our theological propositions, then if we are not careful, we might come out of the gate being arrogant. It is possible for us as believers to act like that. To be arrogant. And to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but rather to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We are told in Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, they, the, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Boldness is always and should always be connected to the power of the Word of God. None of us should be arrogant 
That doesn't mean we can't be confident, but our confidence should always be based on the truth of God's Word. Can you say that this morning? That your confidence is rooted in the very Word of God? It should be. Because there is something great when we are bold in our faith. When we stand up for the truth of God's Word. Listen, we we need men and we need women and we need children who are bold in their faith. who, Who stand up for the Word of God. Not just in your home, but in your public community. There is always an encouragement to be bold in your faith through the Word of God. There is something that is different here that must be considered also, is the reminder that these are false teachers. So not only are they bold, they're bold in their false teaching. So, so we have to make sure that we don't err on the side in which we are being bold for that which contradicts the very Word of God. Rather, we need to be godly men and godly women and godly young people and stand on the truth of the Word of God for it is what changes the hearts of people. Arrogance they find themselves having. Their boldness is in their own humanistic reasoning, their own self-willed opinions, which causes division within the household of God. That's what we are looking at, if you remember a few weeks ago in chapter 2, verse 2. But if you remember, even in Titus, if you have your Bibles, flip over there to Titus. This isn't in the notes, but it's a, a reminder and the qualifications of elders and what they are called to do in in chapter 1. One of the qualifications is that they must be holding fast to the faithful Word in which is in accordance with the teaching so that He is able to exhort sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Listen to what he says in verse 10. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. That's the Judaizers who believe that their works saved them. That they must carry out the law in order to be saved. They they put a yoke of slavery around the necks of men by their works-based salvation. And in verse 11 he says, these men who who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sober gain. That's what these men are doing. These false teachers of the day. That's why it's important that we hold a biblical worldview. That everything that we hold to fast in our minds is connected theologically so that when I pull this doctrine, it snatches this over here. And when I pull this, it snatches it. It's all intertwined and what you believe matters. Because what you believe is what you teach and what you teach means a lot. How you view God matters. And your understanding of the Word of God will determine how you view God. These men were bold in teaching false doctrine. 
If we understand that our worldview is not based off the Word of God, then we can become arrogant in ourselves and make bold statements that are not founded in the truth. And if I'm going to be honest, we're all capable of doing this. You get all worked up. You get passionate. And you make a blanket statement. Nothing ever good comes out of this. I I was going to write that in my sermon this morning. Nothing good happens after midnight. But it's not really true. I mean, some people go to work the night shift. It's good they're working. You know, they're fixing the roads in South Carolina. Maybe, somewhere. (laughs) Right? So we have to be careful that we just don't make blanket statements and be bold about them because they may not be biblical. And if we're not careful, we could be just acting like these men. Each one of us is capable. And so this verse warns about these things and these false teachers that do this and warns us not to become this kind of person. And it's the Word of God, my friends, that prevent that. And the only way that we can make sure that we are not doing that is if we are students of what? Will of fortune? No, the Word of God. They're daring. They're self-willed. They are not fearful. They have no fear, the text says. It says they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. What is he talking about? Listen, their arrogance goes even against the glorious ones. Now here they translate the Greek word doxe as angels, but really the literal word is It means glories. This word can mean a few different things, so context must drive the meaning. That's good uh, interpretation. The word can mean human authorities, either religious or civil authorities. It can mean angels, which the NASB translates as angels. It can mean demons or angels that are fallen bad angels. Now, for me, it's tempting, just without understanding the context, to believe that it's talking about human authority, whether civil or religious. Why? Because we are living in a day when people don't want to be under authority. Why? Because we want to be our own gods. We don't want nobody telling us what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Why? Because we want to be our own boss. Our own God. Nevertheless, we must allow the context to drive. So we see here, there, beginning in verse 10, it says these false teachers, it says they despise authority. Uh, the, The King James Version says despises government. This is the time for which we live. When people don't like authority. Now, I don't think most people have a problem with authority as long as it's done properly. No one likes rogue authority. Which is a lot of what we are living in in these days. 
Nevertheless, when this book was written, the Bible, they had rogue authority. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen anybody put up on a stick, pierced through like a shish kebab, dipped in oil, and lit on fire to light up the town. But that's what these men endured, and yet we are still called to submit to the authorities that God has placed over us. But nevertheless, we live in a day when people like to be their own authority. This younger generation is really scary. And it's tough, isn't it? Because we live in a culture of injustice with bad authority, if we're going to be honest. Listen, we don't have to talk about social justice. We don't even have to talk about the critical race theory. What we need to do is preach the Word of God because injustice is injustice. It doesn't matter what color you are. God made all humans in the image of Himself. We are all one race. Doesn't mean we don't have different cultures. We need to encourage those different cultures. But nevertheless, I want my children to be treated justly just like I wanted your children to be treated justly. And when they don't, we need to stand up and call it what it is, injustice. And call them to repent. And stop treating people differently. Well, one day we're going to have to stand before Almighty God and give it an account, aren't we? It's tempting. But I think in the context here, he's referring to angels. These false teachers with their overinflated view of themselves are not afraid to speak against God's angels or perhaps God Himself. They seem to make light of unseen spiritual powers and at the same time speak disrespectively of, of celestial beings. They are guilty of dismissing spiritual activities in the realm of angels. Now while we're not 100% sure exactly what's happening here, the simple fact is that these false teachers rejected authority with boldness. And they rejected spiritual activities. In the realm of angels, these false teachers slandered the angels or authorities. Their arrogance is such that they would even revile or, or blaspheme these glory ones. Now, one thing that I found in my studies, because we have to take all this, we have to keep one hand in the time of the Bible, and we have to keep one hand in today's society, and it's my job to try to bridge that gap and apply it to our lives today. But one of the things that I found during this study is that angels in those days many times were not believed to be true. They believed these angels were the superstition of men. And maybe they were mocking the angels, uh, degrading the reality that they even existed. But whatever they are doing, verse 11 seems to make it clear, they should not have been doing it. Because whereas angels, verse 11 says, who are greater in might and power, do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. I think it's about 
the falling angels, the demons, and here in this verse, these godly angels who are greater in might and in power, they don't even bring about judgment on those that have gone against them, these fallen angels. Jump over to Jude for a moment. Look how well these parallel each other. The book of Jude is a small little book. Hopefully you can find it. Nevertheless, Jude talks about the same things. He also adds something that will start to clear up this whole deal for us, I think. And so he says here in Jude chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, Yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. He gives three areas, same, similar of struggle, defiling the flesh, rejecting authority, and reviling angelic majesties. But he adds to this in the next verse something that helps clear things up. But he says, but Michael, the archangel, he, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, Lord, rebuke you. Listen, the angels did not speak evil of the falling angels. Or even of Satan himself. I I, kind of think it would compare to someone who says, hell is not even a real place, Pastor. The devil isn't real. He he is a a figure of your imagination. Right? The the new billboards that are out now for the atheist. Maybe you've heard about them on the radio. They say, don't worry, the devil doesn't exist. Listen, they are doing their best to trip up people who are on the edge. But nevertheless, we're told here that the angels didn't even speak evil against the devil. How arrogant are these false teachers to think that God does not know what He is doing? whether through angels, whether through leaders, whatever it is that God has planned. Listen, we worship a God that is sovereign, that is in control, that knows exactly what's happening. Nothing takes Him by surprise. There's a lesson, I believe, for all of us to remember here, and that is God expects us as believers to fall under the authority which He has established. In the church, in the government, in respect to angelic realm, and even as the other angels do, and even among families. Listen, the biggest breakdown in America is the family. This is the real deal. You want to destroy America? Break down the family. Remove the fathers from the home. Why? Because God has established authority. And if the devil can confuse the authority, well, he can mess up the whole system. This is his world. He's the ruler of it. But know this, God has set a standard. 
And on Father's Day, guys, I just want to encourage you, don't advocate your responsibilities to somebody else. God has called you to lead your families. God didn't call you to pay somebody else to raise your kids. And sometimes we got to sell what we want so that we can provide and raise our children in a godly way so that we don't sacrifice our children to the material possessions of this world. Because one day those things will burn. And no matter how much you got, one day you're going to give it to somebody else and they'll never treat it like you wanted to treat it. We need to raise our families. We need to be godly fathers. And we need not advocate our responsibilities to the world. Now, I understand everybody's circumstances are different, but nevertheless, God has called us to raise our children in a godly home. And maybe you're here today and that wasn't the case. Listen, God is the God of second chances. God is a God of, of mercy. And God is a God of grace. You know, I know we like to talk about, oh, Father's Day is so great. It ain't so great for some. And that weighs heavy on my heart. But know this, God can redeem. Pray for those kids. Trust that no matter what happens, God is able. So encourage someone that may not be so excited about Father's Day. But know this, we got a good, good father. Even though we might not have had great earthly fathers, maybe you did have a great earthly father, but we have a father who is in heaven. Who is a God of second chances. And I, I'm testimony to that. I praise God He didn't come back before March 25th, 2001. Because I would have died and gone to hell. Yet the patience of God... We say we want the Lord to come back and we should look forward to that day because what a day of rejoicing it will be for those who are in Christ. Listen, He is coming here or you're going there. It really makes no difference. It just depends on which side of the line you're on. Do you know the Lord? If you put your faith in Christ, when you do, He becomes your Father. To those who received Him, He gave the right to what? To become children of God even to those who believe in His name. So you have a Father as an advocate who intercedes on your behalf when you don't even know what to pray. He can work in the lives of your children. He can work in your life and make you a better father so that you can finish out the rest of your days honoring the Lord and how you've raised your children. I done went preaching somewhere else now. These false teachers, nevertheless, reject authority. They are, they are boldly arrogant. They, they're fearless and reviling demons. And remember, these are not the true Christians. These are fakes. These are phonies. They're, they're making judgments against evil angels. And they're bold and they're very arrogant. So we got to make sure we watch out that we are not duped by these kinds of men. Just stay away from them. They're not good for you. So we've seen the false teachers' characters and their attitude, but secondly, we need to see the character of false teachers and their behavior. 
Now, I I choose the word here, behavior, because Peter is going to teach us there are two kinds of knowledge. Your behavior will be determined by the type of knowledge that you have. There is a spiritual knowledge and there is a natural knowledge. Those that are found as children of God have a spiritual knowledge. Those that have never professed Christ as Lord and trusted in Him as their Savior obtain what is a natural knowledge. Those that are found in Christ, they have this. But those that are not have a natural. And so Peter is going to describe false teachers in manner of natural knowledge. He says in verse 12, But these, speaking of these false teachers, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. But he starts out here with these false teachers and Peter compares them to animals. What is it about an animal that compared to a false teacher? Well, a false teacher is much like an animal in their unreasoning. A false teacher is much like an animal in his creative instinct, his creature-like instincts. A false teacher, much like an animal, is captured and killed. Now, before I get roasted here, I like animals. And I know many of you love animals. My kids love animals. I have a beautiful Springer Spaniel who is big and heavy and hairy. And he likes to jump on me and lick me and love me. We should treat animals with respect. Scripture teaches in Proverbs 12.10, A righteous man has regard for the life of his animal. Matthew 10.29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a sin, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Listen, God created animals. He cares for them, so should we. So don't get an earful here and think that I have no regard for animals. I'm just exegeting the text. Because I do like animals. I even like eating some of them. <laughs> Peter is teaching us something about the comparison between the natural and the spiritual. These false teachers are compared to animals in their that they're irrational, without any reasoning power. They don't have the ability to reason. Turn with me, if you will, again to Jude, verse 10. And we'll see this paralleled again. He says, But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. What what we see happening is Jude is about to unravel the very consequences of the false teacher's acts, namely their own destruction. They're not rational. They deny God, but the glories declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1 reminds us that there is no such thing as an atheist they will be without excuse because that which is evident to them has been made known to them by the creation of the world. His invisible attributes, His divine power, He has made it evident to them. 
But nevertheless, he is going to unravel the very consequences. They live not in the spiritual, but in the natural state in their sin. It's in this very natural state that they will be destroyed. Peter says they revile where they have no knowledge. They speak out against the things which they know nothing about. Is what he is saying. They seem to know what they are talking about to those who have no clue what they are talking about. But those that that things that they talk about are simply unbiblical. And if we knew our Bibles when they began to talk about those things, we could then say that's not biblical. Challenge. Met with a young lady this morning. She's been challenged at work, and a gentleman's asking questions after questions after questions after questions after questions. Never enough questions to give what he's looking for. Nevertheless, she's answering from Scripture. She knows what she's talking about. Why? Because it's biblical. (laughs) Don't you know Jesus was married? Oh, really? Show me the book, chapter, verse. Oh, well, uh, it's not in the Bible. Oh, okay. Where'd you find it from then? Well, I heard it on TV. Oh, okay. Is that a reliable source? What's more reliable, TV or the Bible? <laughs> How long's TV been out? <laughs> How long's the Bible been out? Yeah, I'll take my chances with the Bible. You see, we, we have to stand against the schemes of the world with the Word of God. You see, these folks, they revile where they have no knowledge. Flip back to Second Peter, verse 12. But these, like unreasoning animals, they are compared to an animal that can't reason. Their reasoning is based off of their fallen nature, their natural knowledge. So they really have no concern about speaking out against the things of God and reviling these angelic beings because they know nothing about the spiritual realm. Listen, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You don't want to be offensive? Don't talk about Jesus then. They didn't hang all those people and kill all those apostles because they were trying to fit into the culture. No, no, no. They just uphold uphold the truth. And they were murdered. They did hang Jesus on a cross. Why? Because He made Himself out to be God in flesh. But these are reasoning based off their fallen nature born as creatures of instincts to be captured and killed, they possess only the natural knowledge. Our desire, our hope, is that through the proclamation of the Word of God, God in His great mercy will will reach down and grab them and give them the spiritual eyes to see the truth of God's Word and that they will repent and believe the Gospel and be changed and that they will now be able to see in the spiritual realm that these things which they have reviled against are actually true and now they can repent and say, Hallelujah, glory to God, He has indeed came that I might have life and have life abundantly. But they only possess natural at this point. Which an animal also possesses in a natural knowledge which will eventually lead to destruction for many of them. One commentator said it this way, Animals lack the power of reasoning that men possess. 
thus relying on the created instinct for meeting the necessities of daily existence. Although this innate quality guides and directs them, they nevertheless run the risk of being caught and destroyed by man or beast. This is what the false teachers do. It's just a comparison. They support trying to save baby wolves, but they won't fight to save babies in the womb. (laughs) They'll spend millions of dollars on eagles, eggs, and yet discard an infant in the womb. My body, my choice. Which went out the window with the shot, by the way. While these teachers, the text says in 12, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Their day is coming. Verse 13, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. Those fakes will like the creature be destroyed. And the suffering that they will suffer will be because they have earned it as a wage of doing wrong. They not only act animalistic, they have immoral behavior. Peter continues, they count it a pleasure to revile in the daytime. Listen, people were expected to do these kinds of things at night. You know, uh, but, but not during the daytime. I mean, it's, it's, it's understood. I mean, I've had seven children, and so my trips to Savannah haven't always been at like 8 o'clock in the afternoon. When the wife says it's time, you drive. Lest you have a baby in the vehicle. And I ain't no doctor. But every trip that we went to Savannah at 3 o'clock in the morning, the club was packed. It wasn't open during the daytime. Imagine that. That's weird, isn't it? It ain't open in the day, but it's open in the night. Listen, the reality is, is we expect the drunkards to be out at night carousing, partying, doing their thing, committing sexual immorality and doing things that are opposed to the ways and things of God. But not during the day, but here they were reviling in the daytime. It was these false teachers here had no problem. I mean, even the pagan world generally practices these deceits under the cover of darkness. But these people were without shame. It says next that they are stains and blemishes, reviling in their deception they, as they carouse with you. Now, why is that important? Well, when you look at the Word of God, the, we are called the bride of Christ of, 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 as Christians and should be diligent to what? Be found spotless and blameless, above reproach. But these people are found just the opposite. They, they're stained. They're, they're blemished. Jude says these intruders were hidden reefs 
in the congregation. Whereas Peter emphasized that they are stained and defiled the church. Now we've lived on the coast all of these years. And when I hear the term hidden reef, it kind of speaks to me because I've been in the boat my whole life. I know the river really well. But sometimes when you go and you hit the bottom, that's what it's saying. They're among us. They're just beneath the surface. You might not even be able to tell, but they will be among us. The wheat and the tear will always be mixed. Literally, the Greek here reviling in their deceit while they feast with you is what it says. When they ate together, they had plans of self-gratification rather than true, genuine fellowship. They had intention, and it was to distort the truth of God's Word. Workers of lawlessness, really. When they ate together with other believers, most likely in the meals that led to the Lord's Supper, they were deceitfully pursuing their own pleasures rather than seeking the good of others. These kind of folks defiled the church. They are evil and you need to keep watch because they are sneaky. And, I, and, and, and I'm not even so sure they know that they are this way many times. He says here in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. They, they, they can't. It's in, not in their nature. They are fallen. They're, they're not filled with a spiritual nature, but having a nature of sin. It, it's so expected that while in the flesh, they will live by their flesh and sin all the more. And it says they are enticing unstable souls. They seek the weak. The vulnerable. The word to entice means to lure. Comes from the idea of the hunting and fishing world. Maybe the deer hunter goes and puts out a little bait on the ground and climbs up in a tree and waits. And the bait then lures the critter in and boom, dinner time. Maybe it's the fisherman who's standing on the platform and he's looking for the fish and the man on the back's pulling him along, and he's got a little trolling motor, and he's looking for the fish, and there's the fish. And he gets his pole, and he flips over, and that didn't work. Give me another bait. That bait didn't work. Give me another bait. Dinner time. It's a lure. That's what they're doing. They, 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 they're snared. They prey on women. Men, new believers, people going through marital problems. They desire souls that are going through hard times in their homes. So watch out. These people do not have to be in the pulpit. They watch and they know and they seek after people for their own pleasures, their own agendas. Not only are they luring people, but the text says they are known having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. They want in your pocket. The prosperity preachers of our day are nauseating. You know, I don't know. I, 
did something the other day, and I was sitting with my wife. The children were all gone. Yeah, we, we were going to have a date. Just me and my wife were going to have a date, and one of the kids wasn't feeling well, so we stayed, and all the kids were gone except this one. And then he's, oh, you know, I'm better now. It's too late to go out on a date, so we just stayed home together. And, we're, and, and, and you, I'm not a TV person, so I don't ever watch TV. But we watch TV, so I was flipping through all the, the Christian channels. <clears throat> oh, my word. How nauseating. You know, sow your seed today and we'll send you a blessing. You, you really think that if I send my money, you're going to send me a little bottle of holy water and that's going to make me all better? No, 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 no. I worship a God who is in heaven who is able to do outside of that little holy water or that cloth rag that you wiped on the, the marble at the, at the place in Israel that now you're selling because God's going to sow a seed and you're going to get a blessing. That's nauseating. Their hearts are trained in greed. They're accursed children, set aside from judgment, but nevertheless, they are crafty. They don't look like monsters. They look innocent. And sometimes they're just plain obvious. They're greedy. What is greed? Well, greed is a strong and selfish desire to have more of something than what one might need. They look innocent. Listen, it can be a desire for more money, more materials. It can be about having authority. It can be about having power. But let me tell you, the devil is tricky. He can trick you. I'm willing to bet these folks couldn't even see their own greed. They were so wrapped up in their own sin, they couldn't see their own sin. Listen, my sin sticks out to everybody. And so does yours. It's interesting, isn't it, how when you are living in sin, it's so hard for you to see it yourself, but your brother or sister can see it like that. That's why I had Tony read 2 Samuel. David couldn't see it until Nathan told him the story. You yourself are the man. And could you imagine getting hit with that one? Can you imagine God coming to you and you're saying this and this and this? And he goes, Stuart, you are the man. There are many warnings in the Bible about giving in to greed and longing for riches. We live in a day when the world wants you to desire to have the, the, the wealth and prosperity of this world. But God will meet your needs. He doesn't promise to meet your greed. Jesus warned, Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. These men were trained in greed. We are told their whole lives were about gaining and gathering as much as they could. But there is no heart about kingdom work, kingdom investment. I'm reminded of the text that says, I will offer nothing to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Matthew 6, 19 and 24, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, did we see this kind of example from Jesus? No, on the contrary. He became poor for our sakes. 
2 Corinthians 8 9. And had no place to wet, lay his head. Matthew 8 20. Neither did Jesus pursue power and authority. Although he had, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do as all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always till the end of the age. But nevertheless, Jesus wasn't about seeking his authority or power. No, matter of fact, he says in Matthew 10, 43 to 45, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Now, I have to be very careful because I can get very passionate about this one. When is the last time you served someone? When is the last time you served the community? We had an opportunity Saturday to serve. This community. Four times a year, that's it. We, we must be servants. And all I'm asking is, when's the last time you served somebody? Help somebody in need. These people were trained in greed. And we live in a culture that's trained in greed. It's self-serving. We don't want to be those people. The body of Christ must be a people who are willing to do the dirty work. To serve To honor somebody else by doing for them in their times of need. What does James say? What is true religion? To serve the widows and the orphans. Why? Because they can't help themselves. So who are we serving? Listen, I understand... It's Father's Day weekend. Whoever scheduled a produce giveaway on Father's Day weekend didn't think about it too much. But nevertheless, throw that aside. Can't make everything. How are you serving the body of Christ? That's my point. We need to be serving of one another. And service means sacrifice. And sacrifice means whatever is most important to you. Whether it be your time, whether it be your talents, 
or whether it be your treasure? How are you serving? It says these people were trained in greed. It says next at verse 15, forsaking the right way. These are people who forsook the right way, but yet knew the truth. That's really interesting, isn't it? These people had heard the truth. They, they knew the right way, but they refused the right way. It, it, it doesn't accomplish what they want. But many times they, they'll try to mix the two, a little bit of God, a little bit of greed. Nevertheless, they forsake that which is the right way. There are many people that have tasted the truth of the gospel. They've smelled it. You know, when you smell good food, your mouth waters. It's 12.22, y'all getting hungry. They fellowshiped around the truth. They've enjoyed the truth to some degree. They even have gotten excited about the truth. But they've never responded to the truth. Oh yes, they, they know the plan of salvation, but they know not the man of salvation. They've taken the wrong way instead of the right way, and the right way is Christ alone. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Listen, if you are here today and you have refused the, to walk in the right way in the truth of the gospel, the death, the, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can't help but be a natural man. Our desire, my hope, my, my wish is that you would believe the gospel, that God left heaven, became a man, lived a perfect life because you and I could not, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And the, the word sin in the Greek is harmatia. It means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. And listen, everybody has something in common. You've missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is a gulf, a, a chasm. The Bible says in Isaiah 59.2 your sin has made a separation between you and your God. And the bad news is you can't get back to God. The good news is God being rich in mercy and in grace provided a way, bridged the gap for which you can now access God. But it's only through Jesus Christ. The one who was perfect. The one who took your place on Calvary, and substituted your payment, which was death. Shed His blood that you might have life, because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Listen, if you haven't walked in that way, you're going to be the natural man or woman. If you put your faith in Christ, believe the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, you can become a spiritual man and woman. Filled with the love of God. A child of God. Redeemed, forgiven, set free, born again from above. It's this reality that I want you to be saved. James 1.27 Pure religion 
that is undefiled before God the Father is to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Listen, we must choose to serve Christ. Believe the way of the truth if you want to enjoy life and salvation. But verse 15, forsaking the right way, having gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke from his own transgression for a mute donkey. Speaking with a voice of man restrained the madness of the prophet. Listen, Balaam the prophet from the Old Testament, you can read about it in Numbers 21 or 22 to 25. We don't have time to go into it now. And the end result was number 31. He was a man of the flesh like these false teachers, these phonies of the day. He was a hired prophet that Balak hired to, to have Israel cursed. But the Lord would not allow it. Balaam was a man after money. And his very own donkey rebuked him. The donkey perceived the spiritual reality, the threat of death, while Balaam, so money hungry that he couldn't think straight because he was raised in greed. He was unaware of the danger. But his very own animal discerned the things of God better than he did. You see what's happened when false teachers come. They're filled with destructive characteristics. They cannot help but live with the nature of an unbeliever. They don't discern the spiritual things. Teachers follow the ways of Balaam. And they're in the business for money. And really anyone who pursues wrongdoings is really out of his mind. For the unrighteousness always leads to judgment. The wages of sin is death. It has been death. It will always be death. It may be the death of your ministry. It may be the death of your marriage. It may be the death of your relationship with a family member. It may be the death of your job. But nevertheless, the wages of sin is death. It will always be death. So don't think for one moment we can live a life of habitual sin, but rather claim 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will not be perfect. Doesn't mean you should not pursue it. Because you, greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Peter is drawing a clearer and clearer picture of those fake Christians, those phonies, those false teachers and we need to be aware so that we can spot them and make sure that they are not fooled by them let us have boldness in proclaiming the word of God let us live with love for Christ not to serve for cash but for Christ not to live for luxury but rather for the Lord while all the more reaching out to those who are lost. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through 2 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. 
For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us. God bless and have a great week.